The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water and Water Life Science. Water Life Science has been my research, as many of you know, for many, many years, well over 25 years. What would we do without the power of water on this planet, living with the solar system that is surrounding us with all of that miracle mystery of moisture in the air, water. And as all of you know, and you've been learning for the 10 years I've had this show, that the water was around the planet in a water vapor long before, billions of years before water began to drop down as life to what we call the planet Earth. The planet Earth began to develop and bring life to focus with the energy like we're all a battery. And as if you all remember, we had Dr. Jerry Pollack on the phone from University of Washington. He found with his team the fourth water in the body. And we learned that that fourth water in the body relates to water vapor in the atmosphere, as I've been teaching you, to recycle. But Earth recycles with that water vapor in the air just as you do. The moment you were born, you entered into the water vapor at that moment from the pocket of water from your mother. And as you entered into that pocket of water, left the pocket of water, entered into the water vapor, it began to recycle with you. Your symptoms began at that moment. The symptoms are every organ of your body has water. Every organ of the body is is providing you the life of that water that began earth with the nature of all life. In the womb, at the same moment, the the eyes and the brain begin to form an organism at the same time, at the same moment. The relationship between the eyes and the brain need to be researched. But every single organ of the body is responding to the water in the organism, to recycle itself through the body, through the skin, through the recycling, with the water vapor, the air. The water vapor, the air, is your number one influence in all of your life. But number two, we've been learning. Because the brain is 80 to 85% water, the surface of your eyes are 99% water, and it's like the other scientists and I've been teaching you, that uh, the eyes are in relationship like a battery charging with electrolytic energy with the water vapor of the air to keep the supplementation of the eyes to maintain at the tear film 99% water. Now, what happens with vision complaint, vision impairment, all the way to blindness? You did, we were, you were not able to supplement the surface of that eye the way the nature of your eye required per, per, per person. There are no two eyes alike. What is your symptom? Evaporation of water to, a, to a possibly a severe dehydration, loss of water. When you're not receiving enough water at the surface of the eye, the brain has to go on overload to give you behind there what it needs to be recycled to, to your eyes. The rest of the body and its organs, the lungs, 75 to 80% water, liver, 70 to 75% water, skin, 70 to 75% water, blood, 50%, teeth, 8 to 10, heart, 75 to 80, 
bones 20 to 25, kidneys 80 to 85, your muscles 70 to 75. What are we? Why is water so important to your everyday life? It's vital. All over the planet, Earth to live with the solar system and for the Earth to have its nature of life and each and every living thing must maintain that water to slow that water evaporation down. What are your symptoms? The itch on the toe to every single symptom you may have and complaint called diseases. What are they? over-evaporation in the body that you didn't understand, that you never were taught, we're going to teach. And the other thing that we, the reason this show is so important is water life science, and we've been studying the planet Earth's water also. And as we studied the water with Dr. Cecil, Dr. Dwayne Cecil and other scientists around the world, we began to understand that the Earth is going exactly as happening, what we're having happen as an individual over-evaporation. For you to understand, when that water vapor was around the planet Earth, what happened? As the Earth's nature around the solar system, the sun was coming closer. Other, other things were changing around the planet Earth. Temperature changed. Water and the vapor evaporated, and a drop came down, and a drop came down. And all of a sudden, as the billions of years went by, the drops of water brought new energy, new life, like a battery being charged. You need to look at yourself like you're a charged battery living with that water vapor. Now, the five things that I teach, and that today our special guest, and I'm very excited about Dr. Oppenlander, we're going to be discussing something to you today for you to learn. And you in research labs, you physicians, and you others listening, how important it is for you to live in this atmosphere and learn how you can slow down that water evaporation of how you learn to discipline yourself. Everything we do in life is learning to supplement with a discipline for wellness, better health. And if you're not healthy, what do you think that does to expose somebody else around you? So we must maintain and take it serious to be healthy so the earth can be healthy. But always remember that water on the earth is so vital, that fresh water. That fresh water is vital. You make sure that all of your politicians put number one water as the infrastructure priority. Look what has happening in Flint, Michigan. With my background in research, can you imagine how I wanted to cry? I wanted to literally sit down and cry that they could allow these people to be subjected and these children to what I have been warning about for 10 years and for 25 years of research about the seriousness of water in everyday life for your health that the water must be number one in the infrastructure planning. But then we hear about Chicago. We hear, uh, I've known it. I've said two for years. The pipes are just as serious as not enough water. It's vital. You need, and then you have a tax. You have to go over in Flint. You have to go buy water. And I hope that gosh, they reimburse you. With the water that you're having to pay coming to your taps and the water, the taxes you're, tax you're having to pay per bottled water. You know, they go out there and they complain about the water companies to make money selling water. Like Nestle and other companies, your local water companies selling bottled water out of the truck and giving you water to drink that they have been under regulations to make safe for you and the quality. Don't ever complain about them. Without them, you wouldn't have that water to be safer, and at least they're under more regulation, and they're not being, uh, they're being very, very serious to keep their doors open to make sure that you have the bottled water to drink. And have you ever noticed how inexpensive it is, except if you have a tax, that tax. You should never over in Flint be taxed. You should be handed that water for free by the government of Michigan. 
And anybody in the federal government that didn't, with their check, checking the water during that period, every year the federal government comes in and does water studies too. Where were they? I don't think this is just the leaders of Michigan. I think there's people, scientists, that didn't work with those that have or didn't understand. No, if you're not a scientist, you don't understand those tests. So remember, this show began 10 years ago this month, and World Water Day is next week. It's on the 22nd. That you must understand Water is your infrastructure number one priority. Let's get to our politicians. Let's get to our leaders and make sure they understand that water is the number one infrastructure investment for safety all over the world. And as I taught you today about your walking sponge, living with the atmosphere, you need to learn to breathe in and out through the nose, through the mouth, and do those exercises to breathe that atmosphere. You need, every day, you need to drink at least 8 to 10 glasses of water a day to replenish yourself, to recycle that water. You need to have a proper diet, and we're going to study that today with Dr. Oppenmeister. But that, that diet is so important to slow down that evaporation. You need moderate exercise. You need how to learn to do what the earth does, sleep. Sleeping is rejuvenation. But don't expect your pillow to do all the work. You've got to learn to discipline yourself before you go to bed. And if you should wake up, do your breathing exercises to go back to sleep. That's the commentary for today. Next week, we have World Water Day, and we're going to have Earth Day coming, too. So let's enjoy the pilgrimage of this show. And water life science should be in your application of your all your daily life. As you know, we're launching in China and, um, and going to work in China this spring with the pharmaceutical groups in China, the government of China. So be, we'll all do this together. Water life science is our priority of our infrastructures all over the world. So we can be healthy, happy, and the earth can be there for eternity. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. As you know, years ago, ophthalmology research came to me to study the eye. Yes, I did determine they were right. The evaporation of the eye was causing blindness to the point the dry eye was out of control at 65% of the planet. We provided them a new product, Nature's Tears Eye Mist to supplement with a tissue culture-grade water with just a mist. It's exciting, very safe if you happen to wear cosmetic scalps. It doesn't run the cosmetics. It absorbs. We'll listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, with just a mist, and we'll be back with Dr. Uppermanter. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Oppenheimer, you're with us. I am. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm going to do, rather than reading to the audience what about your background, I always like to get from the individual, where did you grow up? Why did you decide to be where you're at? 
and what are your what is your vision? So, where did you grow up? <laughs> well, I grew up in Michigan in the Midwest, so I have oh, okay. a, a sort of a, a grounding understanding of the conventional agriculture and from just my background and and uh, you know the history of. Uh, of where I've grown up and uh, where I've lived, and then I uh, I uh, undertook some graduate studies in Ann Arbor and uh, started putting the pieces together of uh, of how what we take into our bodies uh, uh, in terms of nutrients and uh, mm-hmm. uh, come from a drive from food, how it affects mm-hmm. our health, and then I started understanding and having a better understanding, a better grip on the fact of. How those uh, those food choices uh, actually affect our environment and our planet, especially collectively uh, as a global community. And so, uh, my vision became uh, consolidated about forty years ago when I started mm-hmm. to come to this realization that uh, we are not healthy and our planet's not healthy, and right. the principal right. reason is because of food choice. Right. And then you've been, ever since, out there, uh, you've written, how many books have you written? Two books. So, but the one that's really hit the fan is uh, Comfortably Unaware, uh, Sustainability, and the book is called Comfortably Unaware. Um, Right. It's really gotten you a lot of new recognition, and you've been a guest speaker all over this country, the way it sounds. Well, I think more and more people are starting to make that connection. First of all, the word "sustainable" is, is found. It's it's pretty much replete now. Everywhere you go, you see it's 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 uh, ubiquitous. And so the door's been opened up to understand that right. we're not living sustainably. And so it's now it's just a matter of making sure that we we get that connection to food choice. And um, and so my second book actually is being used by a number of think tanks. It's called Food Choice and Sustainability. And mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that that's opening up a few doors as well. Now a few policymakers right. are starting to take heed. So it's been it's been a right. good journey in terms of making a difference. Now I'm going to ask you: Have you been working with any of the physicians? Because the leader of my research team um, is an ophthalmologist studying mm-hmm. uh, the food, mm-hmm. and he started studying with. Um, and I'm apologize; I didn't have that. Name. I know I've had him on the show, and so I'm embarrassed. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the founder, uh, the author of To Pre- Prevented Heart Disease, Dr. I am embarrassed. Uh, right. Anyway, right. on food. And so Dr. Philip Payton in Method, Oregon, uh, decided to start studying food. Pardon? Dr. Campbell, yeah, at Cleveland Clinic uh, on uh, Prevent Heart Disease. Heart disease. Then Dr. Payton started studying. He's an ophthalmologist. That if this was he could get in and study more, that he could get his patients and his own self converted mm-hmm. to more vegan. And uh, doctor, he has been practicing as a as ophthalmology as a surgeon for many many years. You go into his office, which is very gorgeous, very visible. Uh, he is the principal of his clinic. You'll sit down with somebody waiting for you to see the doctor, uh, Peyton, and they start talking about food. Mm-hmm. Well, how should. he taught them how to have a new diet and what it's done. They brag about the loss of weight and, and the better vision and the better health and about the new diet. Mm-hmm. And physicians now are, uh, of all walks of life and physicians worldwide, are no, now true. getting into more holistic. And, I'm, and because of my connections with China, we're, I'm, gonna, I'm opening up the door to the words holistic medical ideas, ideas to where we take our wellness is more holistic than being a compound product that's been formulated and take it in a jar or a bottle and then being more concerned about how you live your life and cherish it as as a vision of gift. But you now, this is what you've been doing. You took it by... The car- you took it by the ring on the carousel, and you decided years ago that right. this was going to be your pilgrimage, your vision to to well, harvest those fields, to well, get so, people really understanding it. Right. So, 
And to bring that back around, what you're asking about, am I seeing physicians more and more involved? And the, the, the answer is yes. Um, in fact, at this at this point in time, more of the events or lectures that I'm that I'm speaking at, uh, are, they're being combined now. Where I might speak mm-hmm. with a group of uh, six keynote keynote speakers that are all physicians, mm-hmm. are talking principally about. If they're not physicians, they're PhDs, and they're principally talking about right. the effect of food choice, right. and especially animal. Uh, animal products on uh, on on human health, but then they also want to hear now my perspective of uh, the effect of food choices, specifically animal agriculture based on mm-hmm. our environment. Because I've often right. said that, uh, and by the way, there was a wonderful introduction that you had about the Thank base you. and the foundation of water. Right. The, the, the difficulty is is that uh, is that most people don't understand that you no. you, you can be as healthy as you want, but it really, at the, in, in the end, it doesn't matter how you are healthy you are as an individual if our planet right. isn't healthy, because our planet is the thing that's supporting your health. And so that, that needs to be, you know, underscored pretty well. And do you think, doctor, possibly, and, I, and you know, and we've been watching some things out there in our new political season, and have you noticed there's some things you understand what they're saying? but a lot of things you don't understand it at all. It's kind of like the word sustainability. If you went out on the streets of your town and said, what do you think is the sustainability of our planet? They're going to look at you as black. Because they don't, we are not reaching out with their, what they understand, the common sense side. Right. So the essence of, of what you're saying is really why we're in a, in a situation now that I call pseudo-sustainability. It's where, um, because of the lack of proper definition or accurate definition of the word sustainable, I mean, everyone thinks they're sustainable when, when in fact right. they're not. Right. Well, another thing, Doctor, did you notice in my commentary, and I've been in research for many, many years, and I have a background in some other things in the medical field, too, and and my world is common sense. And I used to say to the volunteers with American Conscious Society when I was chairman of the board of a medical group of, of doctors and, and, uh, and laymen too, uh, other boards, I'd say, do not memorize the words the doctor used. You use common sense. Mm-hmm. So did you notice how I use common sense mm-hmm. with my commentary? The, we, the, the common sense of people understanding, even physicians like yourself and other researchers around, PhDs around the globe, common sense. When I go in and I'm a guest speaker, you could hear a pinfall because I'm talking common sense. So people can walk away and remember without any fancy words. And you know, doctor, I look at each word as an invention. Every word is an invention. Mm-hmm. Consultant. It was invented by somebody. Research was a word. Every single word. What is algorithm? Words. But they're inventions. And all of a sudden, because people are so inundated with all these fancy words, the medicine, the therapy, that you, whatever, what makes you what, well or whatever, comfortable or whatever, and try to sell you something, that the education is not getting to common sense. No, and even with... And even with common sense, I think the issue that my issue right now is is that the word sustainable is is uh, has been affected by cultural bias and political bias. And so the issue is even if go. someone's using common sense, it's in today's world it's uh, it's uh, infiltrated or it's framed by what we're seeing around us. And so until and how it affects my work specifically is is that uh, the word sustainable is. Is, uh, as I said, is, is a false term because uh, food choice isn't properly positioned in, in that, in that uh, mm-hmm. equation. And specifically, animal agriculture and animal products, meat, dairy, fish, are not, mm-hmm. are not configured into that, into that mm-hmm. word. And in fact, in many times, especially when you're talking about seafood or like, especially with what you're talking about, freshwater uh, usage, uh, we're, we're, basically in an unsustainable state. I mean, right now, we're, uh, the most organizations, more scientific organizations, have uh, projected that today we're in overshoot mode. We're using about 1.5 to 1.7 Earths to sustain what we're taking from and doing to our planet. And that's because, that's because we think we're sustainable. And in fact, 
we keep using our planet's resources at an unsustainable rate. And it's because it's because most of our planet's being used in agricultural systems and especially our freshwater supply and our oceans uh, and land use that's being used to produce animals. We're using our resources to produce animals or extract them out of our oceans, and then we finally consume them when, in fact, we should just be using our, our resources as efficiently as possible for plant-based systems, which then have an end result of producing uh, a number of uh, food products that are, that are whole plant-based foods that are actually better for us to eat anyway. And then also maybe, uh, you know, and of course I've had on here the head of the Orange County Recycling, uh, he, he had, he's the president of the Orange County in Southern California, and they're recycling the water. And mm-hmm. when you're recycling, like you brought up the oceans, people don't realize, and I'm for recycling. Uh, Singapore, I'm for the planet to learn how to recycle. But I don't want it out of the ocean. And the thing about it is, every time they do it with desalination, that excess waste of that that they didn't use goes back into the ocean and changes the temperature of the water, doctor. Yeah. And well, people, well, you know, yeah, you hit on a really good topic. I was just in California, actually, uh, uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, being interviewed for four different uh, documentary films. And one of them, I'm very excited. I'm excited about all of them, but one of them in particular is about water. And it, it's not going to be released until later in the fall or into next year. But one thing that we discussed, we discussed a number of things. But the most important thing is that, that where desalination fits in is that Californians and, and the global community as a whole don't realize that they need to reduce their water footprint first before we just start guzzling up things out of a, another water source. Um, a good example of that is where California, a typical Californian is using about 2,000 gallons of water each day, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. More than half of that, about 1,200 gallons uh, to 1,500 gallons, is just from their, their uh, is a virtual water footprint, is a virtual part of that, just, just from their use uh, because of what they're putting on their plate. In other words, if, if, an, if a typical Californian, if they, if they reduce their water consumption, as every, all the policymakers and organizations are suggesting, by reducing the water of their flushing toilets and taking a one or two minute less shower or uh, turning the water off when they're brushing their teeth, yes, they're going to save about two gallons per act per day per person. Okay, now that's important. But if everyone cut out all animal products, meaning all meat, dairy, and fish, especially if it's coming from aquaculture uh, sources, they would cut out about 1,000 to 1,200 gallons a day. Okay, not wow. one or two gallons, 1,200 gallons. And most uh-huh. people don't understand that. And so how this... How this reverts back to your comment about desalination. Yeah, so San Diego developed this $1 billion desalination plant to provide, at its high end, 8% of the drinking water supply for San Diego. Well, here again, 50 to 55% of their water footprint is coming from animal agriculture. So you see, it's a small dent. Mm -hmm. If they cut out animal agriculture, they'd they'd save 55% and likely save a billion dollars from not having to go to the ocean to then pull out two times as much water uh, out of the ocean as they as they are creating at the other end plus all the damage that they're doing to the ocean now. So instead of you know it's human behavior, isn't it, Sharon? To to us to go ahead and continue. Com, you know, consuming and depleting rather than right. looking at our footprint and reducing right. the footprint. You said that perfectly. <laughs> You're going to have to do some shows with myself. I love bringing on, I, I brought on Dr. C, uh, Pollock out of University of Oregon on with Dr. Cecil, who has been with NASA for 40 years. And he's an uh, atmospheric scientist, water scientist. And uh, climate scientists. But anyway, it's fun. It'd be fun to have you on sometime and network with you all, uh, because um, this is this and and, ta- and the discussion would be just what you taught us. That's what people need to hear. We need to drive that to common sense to get the people on the streets, well, young people in the well, schools. We do. Look at. Look we at need 50. those children in those schools hearing you. That's we need do. them hearing me. K through, 12, K through 12, K through 12, and before World Water Day, What do you think those kids in school are going to do on World Water Day? That what's keeping everybody alive? Probably zip. Right. Right? Well, well, the first step is really for, for them, and as you said, K through 12, but before kindergarten as well. And if parents aren't, aren't doing this, if they don't take the onus, uh, if the onus isn't borne by the 
parents, then there should be some other educational system. And, you know, for the first time in the history of, of uh, dietary choices in the United States, as influenced by, by our USDA, uh, last year, you know, they, their advisory committee suggested, had a strong recommendation that the environment be taken into consideration for food choices, as it should be. And wow. USDA decided not to do that. And so it took a year... Ah! Uh, yeah, it took a year of of hearing from uh, um, um, some serious wrangling behind the scenes from meat and dairy industries uh, because it would directly affect them because they're the ones that are using all of our resources. I mean, it requires you know up to eighteen times more land to produce the same amount of food from an animal product as it does from from plant based. It, it requires anywhere from thirteen to fifty to a hundred times more water, more fresh water, to produce the right. same amount of food. And so, and at the same time, when you're producing plant based foods, you're mitigating climate change because it's sequestering carbon out of the atmosphere and putting it into our soil rather than emitting uh, or creating climate change uh, by producing right. methane and carbon dioxide and all the nitrogen runoff, you know, from animal agriculture. So, you know, this is something where we, that would help with education, wouldn't it? Instead of, you know, creating uh, all these policies to uh, that ignore the use of our resources, uh, the unnecessary use of our resources to produce, produce animal Andrew, agriculture. You know, what we're, you know what we're all learning lately? It's just fascinating. Uh, I'm 74 years old. <laughs> 74 years young is what you are. No, no, no. I love aging, doctor, because my parents used to say I wasn't old enough to get to do some of the things I did when my school and I wanted to go out and, and do some certain things. Oh, no, you got to wait for that fifth grade or seventh grade or what, oh, I mean, whatever. <laughs> and I, I always thought, well, I guess I'll I get, maybe I'll be smart someday. <laughs> <laughs> but back to everything. What, I, what, what you're telling me is what I've been watching. We are living on a planet of politicians, leaders, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that are lining their pockets with their personal agendas. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at what you and I are doing and others like you and I are doing that are giving their lives as a pilgrimage to teach and, and, and put our energy, our hard-earned money out of our own personal pockets to go out and teach about how to live on the planet Earth and be here for eternity mm-hmm. and be healthy, be safe, right. be happy, and, and, but have a, a, a safer, healthier planet. Right. Their, their priority is not that infrastructure at the top. Right. That should so, be number one. Right. So now, I'm going to blame me. I'm going to blame me. I'm going to blame yeah. you. I'm going to blame us because we're not standing on a table right. yelling and screaming it. Yeah. Well, we're not saying, we're not yet shouting. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're going to bring a group of us together and we're going to show you what really the infrastructure of the planet is for a safer, healthier planet. Right. So, but you know where I think the secret might be? And I, I was a guest speaker in New York at, 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 a, at, a, at the Blue Mountain Middle School, and I bring them up a lot. And mm-hmm. somebody of mine is teaching, they're going to be teaching water in the next uh, class season. And, so I came in uh, as their guest speaker, and they brought the kids into the assembly. And and, uh, and uh, when I said, no, 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 I don't want to be on the stage. I'm going to be down on the floor and give me two mics, because I knew when I got going, I'd want the kids to ask questions. Doctor, you could hear a pinfall. <laughs> I did with them how I did my commentary of every show. I started out with them teaching those middle school kids what they are as a person with water in that body how they live with the water and the atmosphere. And all of a sudden, you could see their eyes get bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the questions that they began to ask, they were startled. They let the assembly last longer. I missed my train. Um, we were, I mean, it, literally the kids left there with a, a, a thinking, oh, my gosh, no wonder we need to protect our planet as the water and uh, all this uh, infrastructure, because they, the individual wouldn't even be alive because of the atmosphere of the air mm-hmm. is water. Well, this is the first time in the history of our planet where one species is uh, is negatively impacting our environs. So like in the last 150 years, we now have reached a point through technology and our actions that we now are negatively 
da- were damaging uh, the litho-hydro atmosphere, and so uh, in doing so, we're also uh, extinguishing all other species on Earth. In fact, it's at a rate uh, we're having uh, loss of biodiversity and loss of other species uh, and extinction rates uh, that are at a point that we haven't seen in the last 65 million years. And so what we have to do is we have to start looking at all of this and, and our position on the planet and understand that we're interconnected with not only our env- environment but all the other species uh, that we share this planet with. So when we, when we look at what's the one thing we possibly can do to reduce our footprint and reduce the effect that our generation and try to and, and previous generations have had on our planet, it's to look at what's on our plate and take away eliminate those things that are the most damaging, which are from animal agriculture, processed process foods, processed foods as well, but primarily animal agriculture. We're going I to mean, take it, one break. We're going to take one break, and we're going to do it at this second, good. and then we're going to come back, and then you're going to teach us about that plate, okay. because that's okay. where I agree with you, because I'm in, I study technology good. and uh, with the water and uh, the earth sustainability. So we're going to take a moment. Don't you go anywhere. And uh, we'll take a moment for our sponsor and we'll be right back with you, Dr. Oppenheim. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Oppenheimer, you were teaching us about our plate, and I'm going to start something out. Have you ever noticed how all over the planet, people entertain themselves, people are, get together socially, faith-based, with eating at the table. Whether it's sit on the ground and eat, to the wooden table, to whatever table. Uh, restaurants are full even during recession times. Mm-hmm. But the plate is vital to your everyday health. And teach us about what you've learned about nutrition. Well, I think what you said is very important because, first of all, Whatever's on your plate has become more of a, in the past, it's been an institution in terms of we sit down and it's where it's where culture has taken us in the right direction, I think, to share a time, a slowdown period of the day, and to appreciate those things that we have been given in our lifetime. And so, and the second part of that is, is what the plate's become. It's become... Uh, now uh, thrown together very quickly uh, how, how to do this uh, without ne- necessarily nurturing all those great things that, uh, that the food will do for us and, and, and our lives. And so when you combine both of them together, I think that the thing we, we should remember is that we should be not only, like every, every day should be Thanksgiving, but we should be thanking uh, what, what that food can do for our bodies and at the very same time, you know, in terms of how can we optimize our, our nutrition and our health through our food, and which is the, the only way we can really do it. And then how can we do it to make sure at the same time 
with the same type of food on our plate, same food, uh, accomplish doing a nurturing for our environment. What's in the best interest of our body? What's in the best interest of our environment? What's in the best interest of all those other species we happen to share this planet with that inhabit the planet with us today? And also we need to be not only stewards, but start looking at what, what, spe- what are species doing in the future, especially our species. Are they going to inherit this earth from us and it's going to be worse off or it's going to be better off than when we were here? And the only way we, we, we can really accomplish all those things at once is by eating fresh, organically produced, whole plant-based foods. And that's the only mm-hmm. way uh, that we can accomplish all those things all at the same time. Mm-hmm. See, what you've touched on is what I've studied, is that evaporation of body water loss once that baby's born. I'm going to take you on a little trip here. It's when I was learning when that baby's born and the baby has no longer the cushion of water around it. It's the water vapor that recycles with you. In other words, you're like a walking battery. And, and it's like the doctor at University of Washington said, Sharon, you're right. The body is a battery charging every moment with the electrolytic energy of the water vapor atmosphere. That's how Earth begins. I have a, we, I have a dear friend who's a scientist, airport controller. The plane can't even fly without water vapor. The battery cannot charge without water vapor. Everything is living on the planet with water vapor. The human body recycling, the eat, what you eat is so important for you personally, for, how you, for your health and your reaction to how you're recycling with the water vapor through the body, living with the vapor of the atmosphere, mm-hmm. and your own symptoms. Let's call it, sorry, you might have a complaint, but they run into symptoms. The choices that you're making now with nutrition, as I've said to the physicians and to many people, is vital to that evaporation. See, what's happened is the earth is evaporating way too quickly because we're not saving enough fresh water on the surface as we should. We're letting it run to the ocean. That fresh water is vital to the reaction of the temperature of the vapors ability in the air to be, to not over evaporate. And if it's over evaporating, which it is, then the body is going to over evaporate. And of course the earth is going to over evaporate, causing a strain and an overload on what it's having to do, what, what started all life on the planet in the first place. But the nutrition of the body is not only the way you're growing to sustainability, to thinking about the water, and, and, you know, I've had on here, doctor, um, uh, uh, ranchers from back east that uh, uh, were growing crops with hardly any rain, but they learned how to do it in certain states where there wasn't very much rain by the way they till the fields within seasons and draw moisture from the air to be the water they're really needing. In other words, the soil and the water, then the vapor will go together, and you don't need it to water it much. See, there's technology to be learned, doctor. They, they need to do it. Our government that's out there raising all this money to do what should be studying that. So well, that the water infrastructure of the planet is number one research and technology. Right. Let capitalism go in and study to where technology can be their learning that you don't have to have so much water in those soils and, yeah. and to get the I, food you need. I think I think a good way, and that's true, I think a good way that your audience needs to, 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 to put it into perspective with what you're saying with what is occurring on our, on our planet with food choice is this. Um, the amount of water, of fresh water on Earth, the amount of water on Earth remains constant. But the consumptive form that it happens to be in does not. In fact, three out of four people now live within 30 miles of a water-damaged area, meaning sooner run out or polluted. And so, so, it's, so it's how we use our water. And if we're using our water uh, in an inefficient way to grow crops to feed livestock, for instance, they're, they're, they're irrigating 900,000 acres of alfalfa in California, and each acre requires 1 to 2 million gallons of water to to irrigate. So all of that water, if you took all of that water, and this is just one example of how water is used inefficiently for animal agriculture, and then we can't get it back. 
that easily because we're depleting groundwater yeah. from ancient aquifers that we will not get back in our lifetime. So what, what, if you, the good way to summarize that is if you took all that water that's used just for one year, just for one year, the, the 900,000 acres times 2 million gallons an acre for alfalfa that's then fed, 95% of it goes to livestock. Okay, if you took that water for one year, it would be enough water to supply the entire human population for their drinking water of San Francisco, not for that one year, but for the next 66 years. That, that's the ratio of how much water we're wasting right now in many areas of the world and, to and, produce yeah, animal agriculture. And saying wasting. So why is it that you know we're, going, we're learning something? As we're saying something that's life and death here for the planet and, and all the health is wasting. Why We need to make the infrastructure priority of our country all over the planet. Water as a technology that needs to be learned first. Then everything else about what we need to make our lives better, uh, safety would be, I say, seven, a second. I'm not going to put safety first. I'm putting water first, safety second, and, uh, and because health will come along with that. But back to what you just said, why is it, now, you've been at this long enough, why do you think, now, our forefathers studied all that way back in time. They knew it. In Holland, they studied all that because of Holland and being below sea level. Our, what happened to our society in the last, uh, let's say, uh, 50, 60 years? They left the water out of all of the equation of importance. Well, what is they, your evaluation of that? Yeah, they left water happened? out of the equation, and I, I've got two things to say about that. One is that, I, you know, I often make sure I have to, whether I'm talking to policymakers, I spoke to the European Parliament a few week, a few months ago, and, you know, I speak to try to speak to policymakers as much as possibly because there has to be a top-down approach at some point in time in terms of policymaking oh, in, in, in addition to the ground-up or, or grassroots approach to just increasing knowledge. So one issue is, is that, right, we've neglected water, but um, we've also, and because at the same time that everybody's focused on climate change, climate change is an exacerbator. It takes events and makes them worse. So it's going to take our, our lack of fresh water supply. It's predicted to be, uh, we're expected to have a 40% shortage in freshwater supply just in the next 13 years. So, so climate change is going to exacerbate that. It's going to make that worse, but it's not going to cause that. We're going to still run out of water. Um, and, and in fact, it's predicted that 1,100 counties in the United States, the southwest United States, will be running out of water just by the year 2050. And so um, that'll happen with or without climate change. So that's one issue. The second issue is, is that we need to also understand that with food choice, you're not only affecting fresh water uh, and, and reducing and creating scarcity, but you're also depleting our planet of land. I mean, the, we're right. deforesting, we're eroding topsoil. Topsoil is expected to be lost by in the next 60 years. And you really years. know that one of the most endangered organisms on our planet is the soil. Mm-hmm. The soil. You do not want that soil to become sand. You want that soil to be soil. Right. Because soil draws to the atmospheres, water, vapor, healthy. Sand does not. Right. And uh, that's where I come in with my studies, is we need the more fresh water on the top of the surface to work with climate change because th- the water vapor is getting too warm. It's, get- it's got to be because we don't have enough fresh water on the surface as Earth once had. You can't have it all down in the aquifers. It's got to be some on the surface mm-hmm. with an ecosystem balance. So that that temperature change with the atmosphere plus with the solar systems doing around our system, they can begin to balance again in time because the fresh water on the planet is what began to balance what balance it in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that technology needs to be studied. Um, but back to you now, uh, back to that plate, that um, that nutrition of the individualities to teach them about what they need to be thinking about, what is healthy, and then they go in and they study more organic. Now, what is your reaction to tell our listeners? People think the word organic is a gimmick. What is your description of organic? Well, again, organic, every, every word we use, and we both talked about this earlier, uh, and, but especially the couple of words that I've been uh, trying to redefine for people. Organic's another one of those because 
um, the way that it's defined, I mean, there are a lot of a lot of issues with our organic certification process in the United States. But what it means to to me is that there's a movement that's attempting to try to eliminate uh, chemicals from our system in terms of how they are growing food, and then that food is consumed by us, and so the chemicals will be uh, introduced into our bodies, into our environment, and our bodies. So, yeah, at its at its base. Uh, the intent is correct, that we, we really don't need to be growing uh, food uh, and using our resources uh, where chemicals are introduced. So organic uh, is, a, is a term that if it's used correctly by the certification process, so it's, it's, it's actually going to be much healthier for us uh, in the long run. And so um, the difficulty is, is again, you know, we're, we're placing the, the onus of, of, you know, the burden of, of um, certification in the hands of government officials. Um, so that, that can be an issue because, you know, we can grow things in our backyard that are uh, truly organically uh, produced, uh, but they don't necessarily have the organic uh, label on it. But as a whole, uh, to grow things in an organic fashion is going to nurture the soil and it's going to create a larger yield which is another term that's been misused because we're looking at short-term yields in terms of tonnage per, per acre rather than how, how to replace nutrients in our soil over the long run and make, and make the soil healthier and make us healthier and make our environment and planet healthier. Healthier atmosphere. Yeah, healthier. We only have a sure, minute absolutely. left. Uh, we only have a minute left on your part. Mm-hmm. What would you like to say to your audience before you go? You've been a very special guest, by the way. <laughs> What would you like to say? Well, I think the the way that this can be summarized, this this topic is is that um, there, there's no question that fresh water is uh, is one of the sacred elements that um, uh, that we need to place back into that into that position of being sacred, and we need to treat it as such. And um, those those environs that are that we were handed when we were born have been taken for granted and, uh, and have been exploited and damaged uh, by, uh, by our systems, by the, by the way that humans are using our, our planet. But, it's, but it shouldn't be. The audience should know that it's, it's very easy for us and for organizers and politicians to point their finger at fossil fuels and transportation and, uh, and waste and recycling. But we have to start looking at what's on our plate because that's the, really go. the fundamental that's a fundamental uh, cause of most of the, our environmental damage. It, it's a thread that weaves its way through all of these problems that's that we a have. Really good evaluation. I agree with you totally. Well, I thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll do this again because I know we couldn't have covered enough. Hmm. But you sure did do a very good job educating us and, and potentially saving people's lives just by getting them to think. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and thanks for all that you're doing. And let's uh, let's keep so moving forward. You have a forward. nice day. And Thank you, you be well. Thank Take you for care. being here. Be well. Bye. Bye. Embrace your life, every special moment, and somebody else's too. Not just yourself, but Earth Whispers. Never say goodbye. Leave something of yourself behind for all the generations of the children to know you cared too. You have a nice day, and you be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 